The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jared. How about you? Not doing too bad. We got some good baseball on tonight. It looks like at the moment there is going to be a game five, which is always fun, and that goes back to San Francisco. So, what? First game five of the year. No other game fives. No, I mean, win or go home, there's been two, so technically. But, yeah, I, I it's just so much more fun when it gets to a game. Was, did all the games go to a game five last year, I feel like? I feel like there was a year where, like, everybody went to a game five, and it was just a great, like, maybe last year it was supposed to, and then it ended up not. I don't know. But, yeah, so. I, I think the Padres-Dodgers went five games, and I think the Brave, the Braves might have won early, uh, but I do think the Padres-Dodgers won five games last year. Yeah, so, well, I was going to ask you a different question, but I guess to start this podcast off, I'll start start you off with this one, since we are talking about Game 5s, Game 7s, and, you know, you know that winner-go-home game. I think Hope Field Advantage actually plays a role. Absolutely, and uh, that's part of the reason why I don't think the Dodgers have won a World Series in my lifetime. Uh, because they're the only team in MLB history to play this, play all their games in the same yard uh, for every single game of the year. Um, you, you look at it, and they they were blessed to be able to play in Texas through all like all the way through the the uh, World Series, and I think that was huge for them. Knowing the ballpark, knowing the way the ball bounces, knowing where to hit the baseball. Um, just knowing little things about the field is huge, especially in a new ballpark like Texas, where ninety um, percent of the league had not played in Texas yet. So, I do think it is a big deal. Um, I don't know how much of factor crowds play. I think it depends on on the crowd and the atmosphere. Like maybe if you're playing in Philadelphia or New York, maybe the the crowd gets into it a little bit more. I don't know if it makes that big of a difference in LA or San Francisco. I, I know there there'll be a lot of people there, but 
Um, I do think it is a big deal, especially uh, the thing I didn't even bring up is like getting getting to hit last. I think that's a big deal. Um, we saw the Red Sox take advantage of that and being able to play in their home ballpark in game four and walk it off. I think huge advantage when they knew the game was tied in the eighth inning. It was like, okay, we're going to get to hit in the ninth in our own ballpark. Like we, we should win this thing. I'll kind of rebuttal to that and say you watched postseason games in 2020, and that wasn't fun. And I know fun doesn't have anything to do with the fan and such, the, the fans and such like that, just watching it at home. But there is kind of a different, different atmosphere when you're in the ballpark compared to when you're not in the ballpark. So I'll say that it does kind of have a little bit of a difference on it, but I, I really don't know. You know, I think that. I think that certain people, certain guys, definitely feed off the at- the atmosphere of the crowd, and Max Scherzer is definitely one of those guys. But then again, you look at—I mean, Nathan Evaldi was is a perfect example of it too. I think he feeds off off the crowd, and and we saw that in in the Red Sox Yankees game, and he was just kind of unbelievable that game, and it was just really a lot of fun. So. Yeah, I figured I'd ask you that. I'll, I'll save the question that I was planning on asking you for after this commercial break real quick. What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you'll get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup fee. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And now, back to talking Halos. All right, enough with all the introductions. Let's get it going a little bit farther and... I promised I'd ask you this question. You don't even know what it's going to be, but Nate, we had another issue with the White Sox again today. Was it intentional? I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, Jose, I think it was Jose Abreu got hit on a 3-2 pitch, and Tony La Russa came storming out of the dugout, being Tony La Russa again. Uh, I, I think everybody knows, everybody who listens to this knows where I stand, but you got to kind of agree with me on this one, right? Like it, It's kind of out of line at this point. Yeah, three-two pitch. It's really, really tough to get hit on purpose on a three-two pitch. Uh, I will say that that is the best time to hit a guy, though. Up ten-one. What they hit him in the seventh or eighth inning, I think. Does yeah, it, but it was a three-two count. I mean, I, no, absolutely not intentional. But like after the comments being made, and you're up ten-one, it actually is a good time to hit him on purpose. But no, you're not hitting a guy three-two on purpose. That's it's, that's unbelievable. Like I, I've said this multiple times. If, if I'm hitting a guy, I'm hitting him first pitch. I'm hitting him with a fastball. Um, 
I personally believe you only get one chance. I know some people believe that you can go as many times as you want until you hit them. Um, but if that's the case, you still shouldn't be throwing strikes. So I, I think the White Sox are just crying the blues here, and they're they're just kind of upset that they lost. And I think there was a lot of hype around the White Sox this year and a lot of hype going into the playoffs about, like, oh, this is going to be a different year. And they kind of fell super, super short of their goal. So I think it was just the White Sox, you know, crying. And, and they do feel like the, the biggest crybabies in baseball right now. They really do. I'm I'm kind of glad you're taking my side with this right now because, I mean, I have voiced my opinion on and, – and I think that Tony La Russa has a lot to do with it. I really do. I mean, you look at the way that he has acted and, and you know, I'll say it again. There's really no place in baseball for – for the for some of the stuff that he's done this year and I know a lot of people including yourself have kind of defended it and and I get it because I think we both stand on there is a time and a place for old school baseball and there is a time and a place for the new school thinking of baseball however it just doesn't seem like what Tony La Russa is really doing really doing is fitting into the style of baseball that is being played right now which is I think kind of how we think, and I, I think that a lot of people think that you know there is a there is a time and a place for stuff, and there is a time and a place for retaliation and and talking shit and and all of that stuff. So I just I don't know. I, I just think that the way Larusa has handled things this year with that White Sox team and a lot of eyes on them, there's just not a lot of place in baseball. So I don't know if you have anything really else to say about that, but. I just figured we'd we'd kind of bring it back up again since I feel like we've talked about the White Sox on a weekly basis on this podcast, and it's kind of funny that it just continues to happen, and I would assume it might continue to happen more this offseason for some reason. Yeah, I, I did wa- I rewatched it because I was at practice when it happened, so um, I, I kind of saw like he got hit. I saw on-field delay, and I didn't really get to see what happened, but... I watched it, and it looked like right when Abreu got hit, he turned and looked to LaRusso like, all right, come save me. And he's the one that I really, you know, he's the one I'm really upset with the most. Not Tony LaRusso, it's it's Jose Abreu. Like, he is the biggest crybaby in baseball right now. I don't disagree with that either. I think that... My my thing is also that there needs to be a higher standard set for it. Like, you can't just turn around and look at the dugout after getting hit. Like, I know it's happened a lot this year, and it was a 7-1 game, but you have to know the situation, and that's there's not a time and a place, and it's gonna it's gonna be something that gets carried over to next year, a hundred percent, especially with what Ryan Tapera said, and now Abreu getting hit, and people. I guess consistently hitting Abreu. I don't know if anybody really hit is hitting him on purpose, but you know the way that they think about baseball. I just don't think that it's there's a real real place for it right now. So on to our next thing, and I kind of wanted to bring this up last podcast, but we kind of ran out of time. But Matt Baskersian, it seems like he's going to be taking over now as the Angels' head announcer, um, and. With Mark Gubza, that's just kind of what it sounded like. As I think he said that he's not going to be doing any more games for ESPN, if I'm not mistaken, or for the postseason or, or anything like that. So 
I'm kind of wanting to get your opinion on Matt Vaskersian. I really like him. I like what he does. I like his work. I think that he's a fantastic announcer. I think that he compliments Mark Gubiza almost as much as Victor Rojas because there is not a Victor Ro another Victor Rojas out there. I thought that the Angels had the best the best TV crew in all of baseball. You know, in all of uh, like all of sports, really. Like they were really good together. They complimented each other nicely, and yeah. So Matt Vaskersian, what do you say? Oh, I love it. I think uh, he's the best announcer in baseball, uh, especially the best announcer without a true team. And just to hear him, how excited he would get during games. Like, it, it was like he was like a little kid in a candy store when Otani would hit a home run. It was just like so cool. Like, you could tell that he he was very, you know, much impartial. But when Otani would do something that he had not seen before or – something like that, he would act like he had not seen it before. You know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, and Shohei Otani hits a home run. It was like, and Shohei Otani. Like, he, it was just so much fun to hear how excited he got over over things. And I think that makes for a big, big difference when you're watching the game too. Like, when something fun happens and you get excited, it makes it that much more fun to, to hear the announcer get excited. Um, so I, I'm really hoping that he is – the guy full-time because he's awesome to hear yeah like I said there is no replacing Victor Rojas he was the man I mean he is he was fantastic with with Mark <laughs> but if there's somebody to replace Victor Rojas this was probably the right choice to go with and and hopefully that you know Matt Vaskersian is actually going to be around to to be doing these things so I, I'm excited to kind of see where it goes from here so Nate, let's talk. You brought this up to me. Rhett Bollinger, who is on Twitter, he is the MLB correspondent for the Angels, uh, came out with a recent article, the five key questions facing the Angels this winter, and we want to go over it, and I, I'm, I'm excited, actually. I'll you know tip the cap to Rhett, too, because Rhett does a fantastic job. I think he's doing some postseason baseball right now, too, which is pretty cool, but, but yeah, go follow him if you do not already, and Let's just go over these five questions that he asked in this article. And the first one was, will the Angels acquire top-tier starting pitching? I'm going to kind of add on to that because we kind of went through this before. And who, what is top-tier pitching for you in, in, in this market? Is it just a free agent? Or we haven't really talked about a trade, but the Angels could technically go out and acquire a top-tier pitcher via trade. And I think I know who that would be for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been that guy for two years, but uh, I don't need to name names, but we, we know who it is. Um, I think they need to get two top-tier pitchers, and you can say top-tier pitchers being tier one, tier two guys, um, that's fine, but, but they need to go get multiple pitchers. They can't just go get one. One's not going to do it. Um, if they go get one and then a tier four guy, it's... It's the same thing we've been doing for I don't know how long now. So I, I do think that – I think Perry makes a trade. I would not be surprised to see Perry make a trade within the next, I don't know, month after the uh, after the end of the World Series. So you're looking at something maybe late November, early December. I could see him making a trade and really uh, going to get an arm uh, and then just waiting to see how the market plays if – if the market goes as people think it is and, you know, these numbers are getting crazy, maybe he goes and makes another deal. But 
if the market doesn't go as crazy as people think, then maybe they end up with, with getting a, a Harmon Marquez, a Luis Castillo type of guy. And then uh, maybe they end up getting like a, I don't know, maybe like a Noah Syndergaard, Mark, uh, Robbie Ray type of guy or something like that. I think Robbie Ray is really going to get paid though. So he's one of the guys that's going to have a huge, huge number. But, you know, maybe Justin Verlander doesn't get as big of a number as people think. And he's still out there late December and the Angels add him to the rotation. I don't know. I think that they are going to go right after Max Scherzer. I think that it just makes way too much sense. It's an Artie Moreno acquisition, and I know it's not a uh, hitter. Back. I know it's not a hitter, but it is the biggest name out there, and it is a move that Artie Moreno would love to make. And I, I think the first move that they're going to make, we'll talk about this down the road, you know, a little bit farther down here. It's one of his questions, but, but yeah, I, I could also see him getting a Carlos Rodon, you know, even heck a Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman actually really does also make sense because of the, the pitching that the angels already have. Kevin Gosman is basically Shohei Otani on the mound. If that makes sense with the splitter and the really good, I think he has a really good curveball, and Otani has the good slider. So I, I honestly, when, when you look at it, like Kevin Gosman makes sense. But then again, Kevin Gosman also doesn't make a lot of sense because of what what Perry has done with with the pitching side of things and not getting a lot of the same pitchers. So maybe if he doesn't want to you know, do the same thing as Shohei Otani, you can go a different direction. But yeah, like I said, there there is a team to be made. Like we always say, you know, and there's a lot of actually really interesting pitchers on on the free agent market. And it, it kind of, you know, leads us into our next question that Red asks. And that's, will Russell Iglesias and Alex Cobb be re-signed? And I think Iglesias for sure is is primary goal number one. And Alex Cobb will probably be down the road a little bit because I think that the Angels have quite a few Alex Cobbs in in the making, but I think that they can, you know, always use another Alex Cobb too because I thought he was pretty freaking good. I think Alex Cobb pitched pretty well for uh, the limited amount of innings he threw, which, you know, I'm, I I talked about it earlier, Hunchin Ryu, I would take over Alex Cobb even though Alex Cobb's numbers were better. Um, I just like the fact that Ryu threw 150 innings, 160 innings. So I think there's guys out there like Alex Wood who could do that. Um, Anthony Deslafani, two giant pitchers. That's odd, but um, there there are definitely some guys out there that could could be got for about the same amount of money as what Alex Cobb will get, and maybe are a little less injury prone. So. I don't know if Alex Cobb comes back. I think Russell Iglesias has to come back. Um, the stat that he even puts in there that uh, I talked to you about yesterday, the Angels are 66-0 and when leading after eight innings. That's unbelievable, especially looking at where they were in 2020, even though you don't want to talk about 2020 as like a big sample size. But the Angels were terrible in holding leads in 2020. It was like... Um, it felt like Oprah in the ninth inning. You get a run, you get a run, everybody gets a run. Like It was unbelievable. Um, and then to see Iglesias come in and really uh, solidify that ninth inning for us when used properly, 
um, it, it was just really good to see. So I, I, uh, I think Iglesias has to come back. Qualifying offer probably happens. I don't know if he takes it, but hopefully he doesn't take it. And then they give him multiple years for a couple million less than what, what he would be getting, which I believe we talked about today is what, 184 yeah, yeah, you know, we did we we talked about it off the record and yeah, that's the number that's going to be what qualifying offer players will be offered and that's 18.4 million which is down 500,000 from what it was last year which is pretty interesting actually. We kind of everybody kind of figured it would go up, but yeah, being that's 18.4, it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if the Angels did offer that to Rysel Iglesias. I can't I don't think Alex Cobb can get it, but yeah, it, you can only to one, I think. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are on that. I know the rules have been changed so many times now, but I'm, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do. I I wouldn't surprise me if they if they QO'd him in the least bit. I think that he is very well deserving of it. He's the best reliever on on the market this year, and and he's going to get every bit of three years and. 40 plus, I think he's going to get every bit of what Liam Hendricks got, which is what, he got a weird deal though, so I don't know if that's a fair comparison to make because of how weird the deal was, but I think the money-wise at the end of the day, 3 four, fifty is in the right ballpark, right? Yeah, um, yeah, anywhere between 45 and 50, and I just looked it up, Alex Cobb is not eligible to, be, to receive the qualifying offer. The Rays offered him a qualifying offer before he signed with Baltimore a couple years back, so he is not allowed to receive a qualifying offer. Dang. That's crazy to think that Alex Cobb was doing a qualifying offer after it was all said and done. <laughs> so it just kind of shows, you know, what uh, what teams thought of Alex Cobb, or what the Rays even thought of Alex Cobb. So on to our next question here, and that is what will the Angels do to improve at shortstop? I think that we saw it with Billy Epler. We saw it with uh, Jerry, oh, I think it was Jerry. Yeah, well, Barry, um, Perry Manassian did it as well last year too, and that was to jump right on a shortstop and 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 get him. The Angels or uh, Epler did it with Andrew Simmons, and Perry did it with Jose Iglesias. So I think that's probably going to be one of the first things that gets done is is to find a shortstop. And I don't know if they're going to go out and spend spend a whole lot of money though. You know we've talked about some possible options. Gavin Lux is a name that we've mentioned. As I'm looking at it now, I mean, Chris Taylor would be a pretty interesting option as we're watching him play in the playoffs. Even bringing back Andrew and Simmons, I know you don't want that and it's a clubhouse thing, but wouldn't be a horrible thing because I love, you know, I love defense at shortstop. So, Nate, what say you about this? Yeah, definitely don't bring Angelton Simmons back. I, I can't bring back a guy who quit on his team. I don't care what it was. You can't be quitting on your team. That you just can't can't come back in that locker room. I don't think as personally, if I was on that team, I would not be able to look my GM in the face at that point and just be like, "Really, you think this guy helps us win? He quit on us two years ago, and you're going to bring him back." So, I, I'm very harsh on that one, but. I think the way that Perry has gone about his business uh, trade would make a lot of sense. Like I said, with uh, the pitching, I think he could go out and be very aggressive with uh, a shortstop to be traded for. Nicky Lopez, I know someone that we've mentioned, which would be amazing. I doubt that would be a guy, but 
Gavin Lux would be amazing as well. Both those guys are like really shooting high. Um, and I know people are going Nicky Lopez shooting high, but he's a pretty good, he was a pretty good prospect. He, he played really well for the Royals this year. Um, I, I think that if you're, you might even be able to go get like a Nico Goodrum, who I don't think is the answer, but he would be relatively cheap and easy to get because I think the Tigers are going to end up with Carlos Correa. So there's a bunch of different shortstops out there. Um, just depends on who, what the Angels are willing to give. And so are they, are they willing to give a top, top prospect and go get someone young? Or do they just kind of want to fill a hole again and go the Jose Iglesias route where it's like, hey, we'll give up you know two prospects that are 30th and 35th on our, our rankings and we'll take a guy for one or two years. So that's going to be something interesting as well. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. I think that when you look at building a team, you build around a shortstop, you build around a center fielder. You know, you build around those up-the-middle guys, and, I mean, pitching is up-the-middle as well, so you have to build around that too. So it's going to be an interesting offseason, and that kind of brings us to our next question, which is how much are the Angels willing to spend? And not necessarily the Angels, but Artie Moreno. So the Angels had about $180 million payroll this past season. Now with the Albert Pujols deal coming off the books, they're going to have roughly in the area of $50 million to spend is what, you know, a lot of people are thinking. So I think that that's a fair, that's a fair spot to put them in. Though, don't put it past Artie Moreno. I know a lot of people say, like, oh, Artie Moreno doesn't spend money. Artie Moreno, Artie Moreno spends money. Every, like, that's the stupidest thing that anybody, anybody could possibly say about Artie Moreno. Like, you can complain about so many different things, but him spending the money is not it. Because he will go out there and try to put a winning ball club on the field he might not do it the right way but he, he he will definitely spend the money and and don't put it past him to get up to the luxury tax at all because i think that 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 is getting close to the time where you know you you look at what happened at the end of the season joe madden shohei otani and mike trout all you know in a sense complaining and i i think that Artie is going to be like yeah you know we gotta we gotta go make these guys happy you know we gotta go do something so it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if we saw the payroll get up to maybe close to two hundred million dollars, depending on what the what the CBA looks like after it's all said and done. Yeah, that's my that's my biggest concern is what is the CBA going to look like after this? Um, are they going to lower? Are they going to lower it? Are they going to raise it? I, I don't know. Are they going to put? Are they going to put floor in? There's so many questions to be answered here that this is really probably the toughest question we're going to have all off seasons, how much money are the angels willing to spend? Um, if, if things stay the same though, I think the angels are willing to spend $70 million this off season. I think they're willing to get to 200 million. I know the number is 210 right now, uh, the luxury tax number. So I think that that gives you enough of a cushion of $10 million where if the angels are in the playoffs, playoff talk come, July, $10 million is enough money to go get a piece. Um, hopefully they do a good enough job with $70 million that they don't need multiple pieces. Um, so that would be my thing is like $10 million should be enough to go get a piece. So $200 million is where I think they could spend up to, and I think that's $70 million. Um, We'll see, though. Yeah, it's going to be – we address this almost every single podcast, and I think I end the podcast like this too. It's – 
it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Angels. The Angels are going to be in on basically every pitcher. It wouldn't surprise me if if the Angels, and I put this in air quotes because I don't, it's not legal to do it, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Angels were already talking to free agents and maybe not have a, deals in place, but, you know, really thinking about the direction they want to go in. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. And that brings us to our final question, and that is, I kind of have two questions on this one, actually. Will Shohei Otani agree to an extension, and what does that extension even look like? I don't think he signs one this season. I don't. I think if you look, if I remember correctly, he signed a short extension last year, which still allowed for him to have one more year of arbitration after his two years. So I think he technically has two years left. Um I think that if the Angels were smart, they would say, hey, Shohei, we love what you did for us. Um, let's put this for next year and let us take care of a team this year. And let's go get to the playoffs this year and we'll reward you a little bit more next year. I know Angel fans are going to say we want um, to give Otani the extension now, but honestly, with a guy who is doing something that no one has done in what? 50, 60, 70 years. Ever? Uh, kind of. Babe Ruth kind of did it. But, um, you know, can, can we see how his body handles this offseason? Can we see? Because you could see towards the end of the year his body did kind of wear down. That's why he didn't hit as many home runs. That's why his, his pitching numbers got a little bit worse than they were. So can we let him play baseball? And I think that was the biggest thing with me in the Fernando Tatis deal last year is the guy had played, what, all of two seconds in the big leagues, and we're giving him $300-plus million? Okay. And he had already been injured two of those two years. So I think that's the biggest thing with Otani is, like, let's let's let the kid play a little bit, see how the body feels, uh, see if he can make it through a full season again, and continue on the same pace. You know, I know most guys do get – a little bit worse as the season goes along sometimes, but like it was, it was dramatic how bad he got at the end. And, and it wasn't bad, but it just was like night and day from the beginning of the season. So that's my opinion. You know, I'm sure angel fans are going to be upset with me for that opinion, but that's what I got. No, I'm totally with it. And I'll even push it to a, to an even farther, you know, point that, I wouldn't, you know, it would like Shohei Otani puts butts in seats, so it's never going to happen. But you might start entertaining a Shohei Otani trade because, you know, he's not. Yeah, I, I, I was never on board with a Mike Trout trade just because it's Mike Trout and he's unbelievable. But Shohei Otani, his return will be like he's almost in a Mike Trout range. Where you know you can no, no trade really makes sense for Shohei Otani because we don't even know what Shohei Otani is worth. Like what it like you can put a tag on his pitching and a tag on his hitting, but does that come together? Like I wonder if you can almost have like an incentive lace a deal, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like that's the closest thing that I can really think of would be some type of incentive lace deal where. You know, you say, hey, if you pitch 150 innings every year, you get this amount. 
But if you pitch under that, if you pitch 100 innings, you get this amount, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the same thing goes with hitting. If you get this many plate appearances, this many plate appearances, this many plate appearances, you get this amount of money, this amount of money, this amount of money. Because I I just don't know what it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, are you going to, are, are you willing to pay Shohei Otani $45 million a year? No. I am not. No, I'm not, not, I'm not either. I, I don't even know if I feel comfortable at paying him $30 million a year. And that's that's really a stretch for me because how is the body going to react? I mean, uh, uh, he's not supposed to be doing what he's doing, and it's it's unbelievable, and we saw one good year of it. But if he puts up three good years, three straight years of this, somebody's going to go out there and pay him four, $400 million for what he's doing, and, and it's I'm sorry, that's just kind of not worth it for me, especially with, like we said, somebody who's been hurt, who has, you know, had the surgeries, who we just don't know how his body's going to react. And, and you know, you got to tip the cap to what Shohei Otani's doing, but I'm just, I don't know, you know. It, uh, an extension to me is just unfathomable fathomable unless you find a way to say, you know, we're going to get a hometown discount and it's going to be five for $125 million, basically. Like that, that's kind of where I stand with this whole thing. So I don't know if you have any final thoughts with this subject or with anything else, but I'll let you take it away. He's not even a free agent until 2024. So I don't think it's something that needs to be on the top of the to-do list. I think that's, you know, something that's the last thing on the to-do list. And if the angels are in January and they're like, Hey, We've got two elite starting pitchers. We got a third guy who can be pretty good for us. We got a shortstop. We got a catcher. We got a fourth outfielder. We traded away Justin Upton. We got four or five relievers. We re-signed Iglesias. Like you know, if all of that checks off and we're in January and we're going, wow, Perry had a heck of an off season, and we're still January seventh, then yeah, sure, revisit visit what it looks like for Shohei Otani extension but i think that should not be the top two or three things that or even i don't even think it should be in the top five things of of what the angels need to do this offseason if he was a free agent in 2022 okay fine maybe that's something that we that we visit a little bit earlier but he's not a free agent for, for uh two more years but let's just let him play yep i am i'm 100 with it so Guys, as always, I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast, making us one of, if not the best Angels podcasts out there. We are excited to get this offseason going and talk baseball and, you know, talk a little postseason baseball with you guys as well. If you wanted to jump on with us, we're going to start doing that talking fans as, as soon as somebody wants to come on. You know, we'll, uh, we will arrange it and make it worth your while to come on and talk with us it'll be a lot of fun just shoot me a message on twitter at jared underscore tims go follow me there as well you can follow nate at nate green 34 guys please subscribe to this podcast if you do not already get the notification for when podcasts come out every monday wednesday and friday leave us a review and guys thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day